even after divorcing my husband, I got a book out of that too. I mean, it's almost like I'm, I'm Taylor Swift. She writes songs, I write books. But you know what? <laughs> I say to myself, the next guy I wind up with, I'm not going to write a story about him. That'll be my guy. Welcome to Breaking Barriers. You know your path. We know the obstacles. And we can teach you how to tear them down. And now your host, CEO and founder of Adapting Social, John Vigero. We are back on Breaking Barriers, and today I have the honor of interviewing New York Times bestselling author of three books and the founder and CEO of Samcor Productions, Suzanne Corso. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me, Megan. This is great. Absolutely. Thanks for joining us. Now, you're working on a really big project right now, turning one of your books, Brooklyn Story, into a film. How is that going? It's going great. I mean, you know, we're negotiating what studio we're going to go with. The script is done. I had, you know, a lot of people don't know this, but I'm going to give it to you. Um, Penny Marshall, who's no longer with us, and she was a great actress, but even a better director. She read Brooklyn Story's script first years yeah. ago, years ago. And she gave me some amazing notes and she was going to make this movie years ago. Unfortunately, oh. I know she passed of lung cancer. Mm -hmm. Same way my mom did. And that was it. And I look at it that it's divine timing. A lot of years passed in between. And we're going to finally make this movie. And Penny will be looking down. So it's all good. <laughs> now, what what is the uh, journey between creating a book and then creating a script? I, I'm assuming there's a lot more dialogue in the script. But is it is it that much different from the book itself? You know what? The only difference between a novel and a script is the novel is more detail oriented. So I could sit and write about a pink flower in, for three pages and people <laughs> love that. You know, you get lost in the words of a book. Okay. Definitely. In a screenplay, that pink flower has to be described in three words and call it a day. If right. you even get the three words. So it's very script. It's very action oriented and it's very, you know, all about the dialogue. And I was gifted with good dialogue. So I wanted to write my own script. Oh, I love that. And now, are you going to have the opportunity to be involved in the um, actual production of it? I'm, I'm assuming Sam Corp yes. Productions, that's kind of what you're doing? Yes. yes. Um, I mean, look, in the industry, we fight for everything we possibly can. But because it's such an authentic project, it's such a Saturday Night Fever, Rocky, Goodfellas, Godfather, Working Girl project, I want to fall into that legendary category. Of course, I'm going to be involved with it. I mean, I'm the one who's going to provide the accurate information and take oh. you to the 18th Avenue authentic locations to shoot this thing. Right, right. And now there's overlap between the book and film and your actual life. Right? Life, and, exactly. And, and <laughs> it's actually crazy. We were talking right before this about how not many people's life you you hear about and think that it could be a movie and yours quite literally is. And yeah. Uh, this book being about, you know, a young girl getting involved with a mobster. And that was mm -hmm. your reality. What was, what was that like? How did you get involved with the mobster? You know, don't forget, my grandmother was Jewish. My mom was Jewish. My dad was Sicilian, left when I was born. That was the end of that show. My mother rebels against my grandmother and raises me Catholic. So I'm completely confused. It's all dysfunction. Uh, as soon as I'm a child, it's all dysfunction. But when I met Tony, so to speak... Mm -hmm. He's this upcoming mobster. And, you know, we later find out that he kills 22 people. It's pretty <gasps> insane. And I had no idea about that. So I'm living a life with a guy who's an outright murderer until, you know, 
that we, we wind up finding that out later in life. But it's very scary. You know, these guys, they pursue you. They love you. They're all over you. They're buying you everything. I was poor, welfare food stamps, living in Bensonhurst, Brooklyn. My mother was out of her mind. I love her, but out of her mind. And we were stuck in a situation that, you know, he's giving me everything, but my grandmother saw right through it. My mother saw right through it. But, you know, what am I going to do? Right. You're young. Yeah. And at that point, I think you were in high school or getting out of high school? I was, I was 15 when I met Tony. And I was an A-plus student in mm-hmm. high school. And he made me, well, you know, I guess we all have our own choices. But when you have a gun to your head, he wanted me out of high school. He didn't yeah. want me to finish high school. I later went back for my GED and went to college. But he wanted me out of school. He didn't want me to better my life or meet anyone else. Wow. That's and crazy. it's so important that women realize that right off the bat. If a man is jealous of you, get away from him. Cut yes. it out. Cut it out. Get away from him. Yeah, absolutely. Louder for the people in the back. Oh, yes. (laughs) Yes, Megan. Yes. So was there any signs throughout that? Like you really had no idea what was going on behind closed doors, but you knew that this kind of manipulation was happening or did you realize that towards the end? You know, I think as a woman, we have these instincts and I was very mature, very fast because the world I grew up in, it was just my mom and my grandmother and myself trying to survive. So instinctively, I knew He was a little, he was a cheater. He was robbing, stealing. I don't know who he was killing. I really didn't have knowledge of that. But instinctively, I knew something was up. I knew I had to get away from him, but I couldn't. You know, Mm -hmm. he would smack me around. He was physically and emotionally abusive. And to get rid of that, I went to church a lot. My faith was big. But the only way I got away is when he went to jail. Then I got away. I know. And how long was that from when you were with him to when he went to jail? Uh, About 20 years old. Wow. Wow. Yeah, that's a long time. And that's such an influential part of your life when you're trying to figure out, I mean, from 15. Yeah, you're trying to figure out who you are. Exactly, exactly. And you were already confused to begin with, with your family dynamic, and then to bring this into the equation. How, how far, or I should say, how soon after that experience, were you able to really figure out this is who I, this is who I am as a person? You know, at 17 years old, I'm two years into this so-called relationship. My grandmother hands me a Smith Corona typewriter and says, Bubala, write yourself out of this story. And that has become the line or the motto in my book, in my life. And I started writing Brooklyn Story. The first page I put in the typewriter, Brooklyn Story. And I'm so blessed because Simon & Schuster kept that actual title. And that's going to be the title of the movie. And it's odd that you're able to go through life with that one title. And I started to realize that the writing was the only way to get me out of it. It was very cathartic and it got me through my day to day when days weren't that, you know, good. Right. And you found a way to kind of take up your personal experience and turn it into a story that others could potentially relate to. It was, it's almost like a diary, but in a storytelling type of way. Um, how much more of the book crosses over into your personal life aside from that relationship? I think I had to make this book fictitious. You know, you're changing names, places, you have no choice. You got to protect people. Okay. So I think the book is really all about me. Everything is, is true. I went through that and more. I sugarcoated a lot because it's just, it's heartbreaking. What you go through psycho- psychologically, if you're not equipped and you're not strong enough as a young woman, forget mm-hmm. it. I get yeah. it. Because you see so many women today, they end up with narcissists. It's, it's just, it's a nightmare. 
Oh, absolutely. It really it's a nightmare. And to be kind of that third party is standing outside of it looking in. Sure. Like, sure. Oh, do you not see it? Sometimes you just want to shake them like, come on. But no. you have to make that realization for yourself. Really. You have to. And I did when I started writing the book. And then as I when he, when I'm turning 19 years old, he's getting indicted and he's in the, the newspapers with his friends. And I go, this is my escape. This guy's <sighs> going to go to jail. And sure enough, he did 25 years. Did you, I mean, I think no matter what type of relationship that you're in, when it ends, there's always that kind of feeling of mourning, right? Did you have any of that or were you like, good? You know, I think, I think towards the end, Megan, I, um, I was mourning him, but was I really in love with him? This wasn't love. This was my first, you know, attempt at love. Meanwhile, it wasn't love. It's obsession. They're crazy. They're controlling these men. Yeah. So when he finally went away, it was like, whoo, it was like a big burden lifted off my shoulders. It was very interesting. I was no longer afraid. When the fear goes away in the relationship and you have nothing left and you don't respect the man, you're done. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Now, a few years later, your life takes a drastic change. And, and I think you referenced it. It was like a Cinderella story between you it and is. your husband, you know, where you went yeah. from growing up on welfare to giving your yes. daughter this life of luxury, the true Eloise style in this 11 bedroom or yeah. 11 room suite. I mean, that is, that is seriously a movie. And then yeah. what was, what was it like going from having nothing to having almost anything you could possibly imagine. Yes. I mean, it, I really did have the true life Cinderella story coming in on coach and buggy, got married in Bermuda. My ex-husband, Anthony was one of the greatest guys ever. And, you know, unfortunately he wound up losing everything in 2008. That's what book two is about. But mm -hmm. I went from all of that to living at the Ritz Carlton way over a couple of hundred million dollars. I never changed who I was. I was always the girl from Brooklyn. I just had a lot of money and you know, <laughs> When you have a lot of money and you're bestowed this by God, that's what I believe, you have to help others and do good things. It gives me great joy to do good things for others. I've always done that. Even if I'm going to buy you $10 bodega flowers or I'm going to buy you an Hermes bag, <laughs> there's no difference. It's a gift. It's a thought. And you always want to help people when they're in need. You have Absolutely. to do that. Absolutely. So yeah, I lived a lifestyle that was crazy crazy helicopters, planes, a whole thing. But I want to say this out loud. When we lost the money, my daughter was about nine, 10 years old. And it was probably the best thing that ever happened. And people can't equate this when I say losing the money was great because none of us were spoiled. My daughter is not a spoiled child. I mean, my daughter's 23, graduated from LMU in California, magna cum laude, 4.0 GPA, works in a movie company now. She's the most down to earth, smart girl ever. And eventually she'll work with me too. I'm very honored. But she didn't turn out to be the spoiled kid with all this money. Money can change you. Money does not define you. Very important. That is very important. Yes, That's actually very important. Because your daughter too experienced, you know, we talked about, you know, from 15 to 20 being influential, but that's another influential age from six to 10 years old when you don't know you're just really experiencing the world and understanding how it works and to sure. have sure. All this and then kind of downsize. So to say, that's yeah. a, that's a really big, um, that's a really big change. And now I think you were already resilient because you were, sure. that. how did you help her? Be well, here's the thing. 
my daughter was young. You're talking 10 years old. So you run out of money at 10 years old uh, and your helicopter's gone. Her last vision is, oh yeah, I was in a helicopter. I was five. I don't remember the rest. Oh, poor you. So Mm -hmm. it's like, you know what? It doesn't matter. All that is gone. She's at an age where it didn't really affect her. Right. It didn't affect her. For example, we were in the World Trade Center bombing. I literally lived down the block. And my daughter was two years old. And she looks at me and goes, oh, the train went boom. She has no effects of that. Sometimes wow. it ages, we don't have effects of it. So it's very interesting. Thank you, right. God. Yeah. yeah, and you know what? I think, I think that that timing probably was perfect, too. Like you said, money changes you. It doesn't define uh, you. She was able to. Not. You know, uh, earlier this week, actually, I was talking to my brother. My brother called me and he was talking, I had shared with you that I, I grew up kind of very similar to you in a single yes. household and um, we lived pretty scarcely. And um, earlier my earlier this week, my brother called me and he was talking about his future and he was saying, right. he was daydreaming about what his future would be like if his past was different. And I let him know, you know, I feel like the most successful people, the most resilient people know what it's like. To ex- they know what those low lows are like. Oh, so- Yeah. When these valleys and hills happen, we appreciate each moment as it is because we know it makes us who we are in the future. And instead of kind of looking back and wishing things were different, if they were, maybe you wouldn't be the person that you are today. Maybe you wouldn't have these three novels and a film coming. No, no, because think about if I didn't go out with this crazy person, you Mm -hmm. know, from Bensonhurst, Brooklyn, he you know, he developed my character at a young age. I mean, look, it could have went either way. Like I said, strength in a woman is very important. I lucked out as a young girl. My grandmother gave me all the strength. My mother was very weak. So it was very, very difficult. But yes, it built who I am today. And I got a bestseller out of it. Even after divorcing my husband, I got a book out of that too. I mean, it's almost like I'm, I'm Taylor Swift. She writes songs, I write books. But you know what? <laughs> I say to myself, the next guy I wind up with, I'm not going to write a story about him. That'll be my guy. <laughs> so if I'm writing stories about you, that's not good. <laughs> it's like a uh, modern day version of Sex in the City, but a full novel. <laughs> oh my God. Exactly. Exactly. So it's very interesting. And you know, look, you can't play victim. You're only allowed as a woman for 10 minutes. If you're healthy, you can make your money back. Yeah, that's true. Everything else, look, everything else is a bunch of bullshit. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. People have all these, don't sweat all this small stuff. I mean, people die all the time and it's sad. People get terminally ill diseases. That is something that's sad. The rest of it, really? Right. Right. Mm -hmm. It's, um, I'm, I have no tolerance for it. Me I have no neither. To people like that. No. Me neither. And I. This is something no. that I've. I'm actually really struggling with a lot lately, especially during the holiday season. This is. This sure. is where I start to get triggered by this a little bit because, growing up, you know, in similar um, situations, material things were not a priority for us at all. Money was no a- food. Food's the priority. Exactly, exactly. And, and staying just- healthy, having a roof over your head. Yeah. I mean, to this day, first of all, when I got divorced, fast forward, I sold half my wardrobe. You know why? Because I had some good shit and I <laughs> made some good money and I was able to rent an apartment. I was able to live my life. And I don't need to keep up with the Joneses. I'm Suzanne Corso. I'm my own person. Right. I don't want to be anyone else. I don't want to be anyone else. Absolutely. And it's yeah. interesting because I think sometimes people let money define them and material things define them. And especially around the holidays, this is where 
you know, people are saying, you know, oh, well, I want to know exactly what you want for the holidays. And it's like, that's not what the holidays is about. I want your time. I want to have a good conversation with you. And I know. I know. That's why I love Thanksgiving. Yes, me too. It's my favorite holiday. It's my favorite holiday. And even the food is great. I mean, being Italian, you know, be, the, the seven fishes, the whole thing. Uh -huh. I love it. I love it. But this whole pressure of gifts, yes. you know, when I was filthy, filthy rich, I gave my husband and I made sure my daughter only received under the tree four Christmas gifts. That was uh -huh. it. That was That's it. I wasn't playing that game. Not me. No, no. I no. talk about that with my husband a lot too. Just the future of what our family would look like. And he right, grew up right. in a different situation, but I don't subscribe to the idea of spoiling your kids because you're no. entitled and then you have a bigger problem on your hands. Yeah. And That's they need to learn work ethics. Nuts. They need to clean their room and do their own thing. It doesn't matter how much money you have. You have to have, you know, respect and manners for others. Uh, it's very important. It really is. It really is. Yeah. It, when you think about I, I often say this to my family and friends, but when you think about other people, you have immediately, you can kind of paint the character for somebody, right? Sure. Writing sure. the character of somebody in a book where you already know the type of person that they are based on the, the attributes around them. And like, really think about who do you want to be? What character do you want to be in somebody else's novel? And how are you kind of portraying that out there? And um, everything all of your experiences, obviously, yeah. really have, but to really think about that and how you're going to change your life is it's very impactful. Oh, yeah. I mean, look, for me, I was blessed with a gift to write. I write everything in first person. Uh, I think when they first got Brooklyn Story at Simon & Schuster, it was to a huge editor. And they called me and they received it on a Monday and I did my meeting on a Friday and they sat and said, Sue, we don't really have a lot to change in this book, but we're editors and we have to change some stuff. But wow, we wow. love this. And I really told my story from the heart and it, it helped me. It healed me. Yeah. It healed Which me. It's so important too, is the healing that happens for yourself. Sure. You through this. And sure. That's, that's amazing. Now you wrote two more books after that. You talked about this, yes. which is this, the, the um, Wall Cinderella Street story. So yes, the, the Cinderella story. Yes, 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 yes. And then the third one, what what part of your life does that one depict? You know, Hello Hollywood, I did three major entities in my three books. So I did Mafia, Wall Street, and Hollywood. I don't touch politics. I don't touch religion. I stay away from it. That's that. <laughs> that's, smart. that's that. No opinion. Leave me alone. But um, the third book is my journey. Now my daughter's older and it's my journey going to Hollywood, making Brooklyn story, being successful. My father comes back into my life. And the truth is that book is half fiction. It's oh. like almost I wrote that book because I love doing things in threes. Simon Schuster was fine with it. I love a trilogy. Uh -huh. And I said, you know something? I want my character to come full circle. So it's what I'm manifesting in my life and it's actually happening. Like book three is slowly unfolding. Very interesting. I mean, my father didn't come back. I don't need him to come back, but Aww. I'm just saying, yeah, I'm just saying. So that's more fictitious than book one and two, which really, really happened. Right. Yeah. Okay. That's nice though. It's nice to have things come full circle too. I'm a, yes. fan. I'm a fan of threes as well. I think. Oh, I love it. Threes. I love it. Um, it's interesting. Now, it could go either way. We could do three movies. 
Yeah. Or we could do one movie and then we could do episodic television. I mean, you could have seasonal television off these books too. So Absolutely. it's going to be very interesting how it's all going to unfold, but I'm excited. Oh, the TV shows could be oh. really interesting. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. You know how many women will tune in to realize, okay, so this girl lived this life, but she got out. I could get out too. Absolutely. If you help women, yeah, if you help women realize that, that's all you need. We mm -hmm. can't be told what to do. Relationships should be equal. There should be respect. It should be lovely. If you have stress in the relationship and you're aggravated all the time, well, why are you there? No. What's the point? No. no. I don't, Man I should enhance your life, not the other way around. Right. Exactly. Exactly. I think in any partner, you really need to look for... Yes. By the way, that goes with any partner. If you're gay, yes. if you're a lesbian, I don't care what you are, do not let your significant other take you down. You walk away from that relationship. Exactly. Because at the end of the day, you're a team. You're yes. supposed to help each other's lives get better and be easier, not be more difficult. Absolutely. My, my mom was married a, a handful of times, and I think that's the one thing she always kind of instilled in us is make the right decision. And once you feel that it's not right, it's not right. Like, not don't, right. don't wait it out because your gut is typically on on spot. Sure, so. sure. Don't jump into a relationship that isn't going to work. And don't get married unless it's going to work. Although I want to be married again one day. I can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> I'm manifesting it because I love being in a relationship and I love yeah. marriage. I do. Yeah. Do you think yeah. sometime soon? Uh, well, I don't know soon, but we'll see, <laughs> but it's happening. It's definitely happening. Uh, yes. If you're manifesting it for yourself. Absolutely. Absolutely. Right. Now what's next after this film, you talked about maybe doing two more movies or doing TV shows. Do you have any well, plans? You know, I have my company, Samcor Productions, and that's the holding company. I'm the CEO, you know, founder and CEO. Mm -hmm. And I have my four intellectual properties. I also have a children's book. So I have a children's division, which I want to pursue as well. I have one specific show, which is a limited series, which is very, very important for today's day and age. Another writer and I are going to tackle this. I want to get that out. So I really want to build up my company. But my priority, getting Brooklyn Story made and getting that on screen. Everything else will just fall into place. <laughs> That's perfect. What yeah. advice would you give to authors who are just starting out their journeys? And maybe, you know, every writer experiences writer's block. And I, I know there's, I know a few different, um, you know, aspiring authors out there who are dealing with that right now. What would you say to them who are, they're just stuck? Well, first of all, you have to write about what you know. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, my hat's off to the people who write science fiction and, you know, historical stuff, things that, you know, you, you, you're not really, you're writing about what you know, but what you know is who you are. Cause I write about human interest story. Cause I'm, I'm writing about myself. Right. You have to write about what you know. When you get writer's block, step away from your project, journal and write about what you know. Write about what you did with your grandmother on Sunday. Write about something that opens up the block. And then what about once you, maybe you have a piece that you right. feel really good about, but how do you get it to be seen by people that matter? Well, uh, here's another thing. I mean, I went through 50 literary agents. Wow. The Brooklyn story. Okay, wow. it's like, look what that turned out to be. The agent that took me on, ironically, she tore her Achilles heel, was stuck in bed, and decided to read my book, Brooklyn Story. Wow. 
reads it, calls me up. Oh my God. Okay. Honestly, I'm sorry, Sue, but if I didn't tear my Achilles heel, I wouldn't have read your book, but I have to give it to this new imprint gallery books at Simon and Schuster. That's how it happened for me because it was a divine timing. And when something's meant to be, it's happening for you. So in the real world, you know, that's when you believe in stuff, but mm -hmm. regular day to day, you just have to get it out there to the agents. Yeah. The agents are the ones that get you to the publisher. You can't go cold to a publisher. Not nowadays you can't. And you can self-publish. For me, I like a big publisher. There's mm -hmm. nothing like it. I'm sorry. Yeah. And to not give up, right? Like you mentioned, you went through Ever. literary agents. And I think some, a lot of entrepreneurs and um, authors like yourself and artists, yeah. they, after you get rejected. And I think that's something that not many people realize when you're going out into your own endeavors that rejection right. will live in the same space as success. Yes. But rejection is protection. So you, you keep that in your head. Rejection is protection. If someone's, if a guy doesn't want to take you out, if, if an agent doesn't want to take your book on, they're not the right one for you. Onward, yeah. next. Yeah. Because when the right situation comes, you're like, oh my God, thank God I did it, did it this way. I didn't do it the other way. Right. That's, that's actually a really interesting topic too, because when rejection does happen, I think some people want to fight to make it happen instead of just no. realizing that everything happens for a reason. You got to let it go. Let it go and look for the next opportunity. Something better is coming. Right. You never wanted that person. Whoever rejects you and doesn't see your passion and doesn't believe in your written words, it's not the person for you. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Now, so before we wrap up here, I like to leave our audience with a little bit of inspiration. So is there a okay. quote that you live by or reference for motivation? Wow. Oh, boy. I should know that. Oh, I got a good one. I do live by this quote. Okay. I don't answer to anyone. I mean, I don't know what kind of quote this is, but I don't answer to anyone. I don't care about what people think of me. I mean that in a good way. I only answer to God. I only care what he thinks of me. I'm sorry. That's how I feel. You know, I'm not going to answer to anyone in a respectful way. And I don't care what others think of me. I don't have to answer to you. This is my life. You haven't been in my shoes. So I guess the quote is, don't care about what others think of you. Just care about yourself and what you think of yourself. <laughs> Amazing. Goes back to what we said earlier about yeah. you get to paint your own story. Whoever you want to be in this world, you get to yeah. be. It doesn't matter. Your story and somebody else's doesn't overlap. So you get to Absolutely. be. Absolutely. Well, Suzanne, thank you so much for joining us today. Now, if people want to connect with you, where's the best place to do that? Uh, you know what? Believe it or not, I have this great up and coming uh, Instagram. I got this big following now. I'm all excited. I got verified. <laughs> my, my daughter calls me. She's, mom, you got a blue check. I go, okay, I don't know what that means, but okay, I'll take it. <laughs> so I think Instagram, I post everything up to date. I try to be, I try to post as much as I can. And uh, that's the best way to get me. Perfect. If um, anyone wants to say anything, or, you know, I am on Twitter, I am on Facebook, but Instagram, I kind of like TikTok. I have no idea what I'm doing. I definitely need to learn <laughs> that. But, you know, Instagram, I enjoy. So, yeah, um, all my up to dates or DM me or something, I'm always here to listen to people. Perfect. For all of our listeners, make sure you go to Instagram and go say hi to Suzanne. Suzanne, thank you so much for joining You're us. Today. You are so welcome. So nice meeting you.